We Love Learning is a company that specializes in delivering self-directed online training in innovative and creative ways. Created with the intention of investing in people, We Love Learning is about leveling the playing field to make education accessible to all persons, regardless of geographic or socioeconomic status. In today's episode, hosted by Michelle Gitobu, we are joined by one of Canada's most respected learning design professionals and the founder and CEO of We Love Learning, Janet Stewart, to chronicle her journey into the digital training industry, experience within the international market, and vision for the future of learning. Hello, how are you? I'm well, how are you today? I'm good, exciting. This is the first episode of the We Love Learning podcast. I know, I'm very excited too. I'm very excited as well, and I think it's great that you're the first guest. You'll be able to tell us a lot about the company as well as the reason behind it. So I think the best way to start is by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I have been in the training industry for more than three decades now, I started out designing, you know, classroom-based training for the, in the corporate world though, but I started out designing and facilitating in-person classroom training. And then about 14 years ago, I could see that the learning landscape was really shifting and that digital learning was becoming more and more available to more people and, and the tools were getting more interesting and more engaging. Uh, we had this thing back in the 80s called CBT, computer-based training. And really just really big companies, big corporations were able to play in that space for the most part. But I could see that it was becoming more accessible. Digital education was becoming more available and more accessible. Uh, and so I started to shift our company to become experts in that space. We were, I would say, early adopters into the digital learning space. And since then, we've become known for our really awesome e-learning that we create across the full spectrum of digital choices and across all types of devices. That's incredible. You started three decades ago, which is very early on. Now you can see that digital learning has really become prevalent within our digital landscape. And I think that's incredible that you're able to see that ahead before it reached its zenith that it's in right now. So I just wanted to know what led you to becoming a learning design professional? I have always been a teacher since my earliest memory would be about eight years old. And there was this little girl who didn't know how to speak English. And she and I had to kill time at ballet class on Tuesday nights back in Toronto. And uh, I decided that I was going to teach her how to speak English. <laughs> so I, I started creating learning activities. And every Tuesday night, I would show up armed with my you know, crossword puzzle that I had made or my word find. And uh, that's my earliest memory of really just being passionate about teaching others. And then I evolved into a figure skating coach. And I did that for a number of years. And that actually led me, I, I uh, wrote the um, National Coaches Training Certification Program for figure skating because I had been a competitive figure skater. And that's when I made the shift over to teaching adults in, a, you know, off ice in a classroom type of environment or boardrooms and things like that. And, I, and then I went on to get credentialed in adult uh, education and things like that. So I think it's really incredible that at eight years old, you're already teaching other people how to speak English. Teaching another language is honestly incredibly hard. So at eight years old to be doing that is really incredible. And as someone who had lived abroad for most of their life, I know that the language barrier can be a really huge challenge, especially with connecting with other people. And I'm wondering if that's a challenge that you face a lot in your field and if there are any other challenges that were a struggle for you to overcome. 
Well, I think there's a, a high learning curve every single day when you play in any kind of tech space. And it's uh, funny to me that someone last year said, oh, well, you're a woman in tech. And I never thought of myself as a woman in tech. Uh, but that's sort of a trendy thing right now. And uh, I, I'm like, oh, well, I'm a learning professional. What do you mean? You know. But then I realized every day I get up, I play with tech toys of some sort. I have uh, if you could have seen me last week, one day I had five devices spread out across the counter and I was on all of them at the same time. Uh, I was at a conference and I was also at a trade show booth behind the scenes and having chats with people. It was like totally crazy. And uh, that's the way e-learning is. There, There's a huge learning curve every single day. There's an opportunity, I would say, to learn things every single day and to figure out how to make it interesting and engaging. And there are always new new tools coming out. So that's why I would say that's the biggest challenge is just having the energy and brain space to keep up with these constant, this constantly evolving space. But it's fun. I mean, I think of it as a challenge. I think of it as fun. But for some people, it might be a bit overwhelming. 100%. I think that Technology has become extremely ubiquitous in the generation that we're in now. And a lot of the times we do consume a lot of information in short amount of times. And it's very difficult to adapt, especially as someone who is trying to facilitate this landscape, having to learn how to use all the new tools that are being invented. That's definitely a challenge. But I think that you've done a great job and Wheel of Learning has done a great job at that. And it's clearly been very successful. In fact, you actually received the Women Exporter of the Year Award from the Organization of Women in International Trade. So as a woman in tech, what does that award mean to you and how does it represent the work that you do? Well, actually, a big part of the criteria for that award uh, was what you're doing internationally to raise the profile of Canadian women. So it wasn't just about building a business that operates internationally as we do, but the part that really... I guess I was most proud of is that I do feel that I take it really seriously when I'm working outside of Canada. I want people to love Canada. I want people to love Canadians. I want, I, I treasure that we have such a good reputation around the world and that I can, I can kind of get that credibility before I even walk into the room. It's like, Oh, she's from Canada. She must be good. You know, she must be polite. <laughs> she must be nice to work with. There's certain assumptions that come with it. And I feel that uh, I've been able to get such amazing support from the high commissions in the countries that we work in through global affairs and trade commissioner services specifically. But when I go out and they, they introduce me to potential clients or partners in these other countries, there's a certain uh, expectation that I'm going to be a good person and that we're going to have high quality, whatever we do, uh, because we're Canadian. And that's a really amazing brand to be able to be a part of. So to get an award that says I'm helping to contribute to building that brand abroad, that really means a lot to me. 100% agreed. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I did live abroad. So knowing that these people who are taking the tools that they have to help develop other countries and build other communities, I think that's really incredible. In fact, you actually spoke at a conference last week, LearnFest Caribbean, and this is your second year, I believe, speaking there and also being a sponsor. 
And so I just wanted to know, what is your relationship with the Caribbean specifically? Well, I decided a number of years ago that I wanted to expand We Love Learning Canada to the world. And uh, you can't expand to every country at the same time. So I had to pick. And I picked the Caribbean simply, actually, well, for a number of reasons. But one of them was that LearnFest Caribbean conference that was coming up. And it seemed like a lot of fun. It seemed like the kind of people I like to hang out with in terms of making learning fun and interesting and engaging. And so I went and spoke at that conference and that really opened up a tremendous number of doors to me in the Caribbean because all of the persons attending the conference for the most part were from the Caribbean. And then I met some really great uh, partners or people who have become partners, specifically Valerie Grant, who's a, a, a woman business owner in Jamaica and she and I hit it off and then we started doing some joint projects together and then that introduced me to other women great women in the Caribbean and we before you know it we're all collaborating on all kinds of things and uh, so our work has taken us now to Jamaica Trinidad and Guyana but also unexpectedly to Kenya and to Central America Mexico the US and the UK these are, these are places that I didn't have on my radar at this point in time, but just because of collaborating with other businesswomen around the world, these opportunities have opened up. Those are a lot of countries, and that's really incredible. Are there any barriers that you face when you do work with these international organizations? Well, doing business abroad is different in every country. Every country has its own set of rules in terms of laws for working uh, in that country. It's a little bit vague sometimes because we work in a digital space. We don't actually go to those countries to work. Uh, we actually do all of our work here in Canada and um, and then, you know, ship an electronic file at the end of the day. Or sometimes we don't even do that. The You know, it continues to reside on our service he server here in Canada. But I go to those countries to build business relationships with people, uh, to speak at conferences, that, of course, has changed a lot in the last eight months. So speaking at conferences is now an online affair, which for me is fine because that's it just means I can be in more places in the world during the course of a day. I can maybe visit four different countries and <laughs> speak to persons all over the world instead of just being limited to one country. So I don't think that there are a lot of challenges. I, I think of it as a wonderful adventure that I'm on when I met these different in these different countries. And I really work hard to try and learn as much as I can about the country. And uh, I don't want to be that outsider. I don't want to be the Canadian who just comes in once in a while and builds some relationships and goes away. I want people to uh, think of me as uh, almost, you know, I, I'm a local expert, even though I'm not local, but I want them to have that feeling. Someone said to me the other day, he actually uh, messaged me and said, well, I just think of you as an honorary Jamaican. And, and or a, an honorary Jamaican national. I'm like, that's the biggest compliment you could give me is that you just think of me as as somebody who, you know, who happens to be an expert in e-learning. You're about to be an honorary Kenyan citizen too as well as you're working with Kenya Diaspora Alliance. And so I think that's really incredible. And you've had all these different experiences working with um, organizations and people abroad. And I was wondering, what is your favorite experience or favorite memory that you've had from all of this? Oh my gosh, I could not tell you because when I when I do get to travel and, and meet with others in other countries, 
there are always so many fun things. Uh, you, you know, you if you're open to it, if you're open to being part of the fabric of a country, people welcome you. Or at least that's been my experience. So I've gone on a day trip to Duns River Falls in Jamaica. I've watched uh, leatherback turtles, like these massive turtles, come up out of the ocean in the middle of the night to lay their eggs in Trinidad. I ate uh, shark shark bake, uh, which is one of the national dishes, and listen to uh, fabulous uh, steel drum bands and things like that. So it's it's such an interesting journey, uh, but I think that's one of the things that I value about getting to work in these other countries is I don't just drop in work and leave. I do drop in to work, but I also make time to really understand people and what's going on in the country uh, start to be familiarize myself with the issues that are important to them and uh, what are some of the traditions and cultures. And it's really fun to learn about other other cultures. For sure. For the listeners that don't know, I'm Kenyan. And when I joined this company a couple months ago, um, coincidentally, We Love Learning started working with a Kenyan organization called Kenya Diaspora Alliance. And speaking of how you experience Jamaica, you should definitely come to Kenya. I can take you to Safari. I can take you to my hometown. I definitely think my grandparents actually have a school. So I definitely do think your work could help there as well. So anytime you want to come to Kenya, you can definitely work that out. I think that would be incredible. You can definitely bring your expertise there to do a lot. And what countries do you hope to partner with next? Or are you satisfied? Do you want to partner with more countries? Do you want to go to a different continent? Oh, there's a, there's a whole big world out there. <laughs> so right now I'm actively uh, expanding into Barbados and Bahamas. Uh, Barbados is going through a um, transformation, a digitization as as are most countries in the world, but they actually had this on the books that they were going starting this uh, journey prior to COVID. Uh, so I would really like to be a part of that and really help them with the digital education side of things. And that can be working with the local government to make more uh, information available to citizens through their like through their website, but in a in a learning kind of approach as opposed to just a, a whole bunch of PDFs posted there that you have to sift through, you know. Uh, and I'd really like to, if they are looking to digitize the education system, I'd love to be a part of that as well. That's incredible. So you are a mother, you have a son, and I was wondering if your role as a mother has influenced the work you do, and if so, how? Yeah, Nick is such an important part of my life and always has been. I've always... Uh, organized my work around his needs. So at different times in his life as he grew, you know, if he was at home versus going to preschool for half days versus going to school all day long. So I've always really tried to arrange things around him. I even homeschooled him for a number of years. That's something that he needed. And uh, he traveled with me when we were uh, going around and working. So he got to see the Grand Canyon and lots of really interesting things. And when we uh, studied tides, you know, we went to the ocean to do it. <laughs> so it was fun to uh, to live the world through his eyes, you know, through the eyes of a sort of an eight or 12-year-old and see see these things. But, uh, you know, I, I, right or wrong, I drop everything. If, if he needs me for something, if there's something really important going on in his life, uh, 
I drop everything. I, I don't know what else to say. He, he's absolutely uh, a critical part of my life and always has been and always will be. That's so sweet. Nick, are you hearing that? I hope you're listening in. But I think that's really incredible, you know, that you homeschooled him. And also, when, as you said, when you learn about the tides, you took him to see the tides. I think being able to have practical learning experiences is definitely something that I feel that maybe the traditional education system doesn't necessarily put a lot of effort in. And I was wondering if you do hope to see certain changes in the future of learning. Well, I have always aspired to what's called the ERGA model. Uh, and it's an experiential design model of training that I learned back at uh, St. Francis Xavier University when I did my diploma in adult education. And it guides the work that we do. So put simply, if you were, let's say you were homeschooling your child, you would do something that creates an experience, like I did. We would went and played in the, in the tidal mud. <laughs> and then when the tide came in, you know, that created an experience. And then you reflect back on the experience. Then you draw some conclusions about the experience, pros and cons. And then you decide how you're going to apply that to your life or to the work that you're doing. Uh, and so that's the kind of model that we follow as we build e-learning because there's lots of really bad e-learning out there that really consists of uh, death by PowerPoint in a digital environment. And that's not the kind of e-learning that we create. We create really experiential e-learning that where the learner is involved and engaged in the learning experience. So that's always the challenge. It's fun. It's a fun puzzle to try and solve, to figure out how to make that happen when you're designing something that uh, the learner and the instructor are not going to be there at the same time. That's called self-directed training, and that's our specialty. And you guys do very good at that. So since we are running a bit short on time now, I just think it would be best to wrap it up by asking you, what does education mean to you? Well, I believe that education levels the playing field for everyone, and that digital education helps to remove those barriers uh, that have in the past created a have and have not society where some peer persons have access to education and others do not. And those who do not have a hard time ever changing their life circumstance. And they don't have, maybe they don't have access to education because of their geography, just because of where they live. They're in a, maybe a more rural community or in a nation that just doesn't have a lot of great education available or perhaps they're in a socioeconomic status that prohibits them from being able to access education, particularly if you're talking about going on to post-secondary education. But digital education is just so available. It removes all those barriers. And when someone is able to access information in education, they can change their personal circumstance, which can lead to changing their family circumstance. It can lift their community and it can lift their nation. So. I think it's really, really important. And it's one of the UN's sustainable development goals that I'm fully committed to. A hundred percent. I think the work you're doing is incredible. As my mom always said growing up, knowledge is power. So being able to share that with everyone definitely gives people opportunities that they may have not had before. And I commend you for your work that you're doing. And We Love Learning has done a wonderful job at facilitating that and you just building this company and community. If anyone would like to get to know Janet more, connect with her, how can they reach you? Well, you can find me fairly easily on LinkedIn. I'm pretty busy there. and uh, Or you can also reach out to me by email at janet at welovelearning.ca. 
Perfect. So thank you so much for taking time to share your story and kind of just tell us how you entered this field and how much it means to you and just share your passions with us. I hope the listeners enjoyed and this is only the first episode. So make sure you tune in for the next episodes as well.